Good morning. Thank you to the halls. You guys always sound great. Uh, on a personal note, I'd like to thank people for uh, your prayers for my grandfather. He did pass away on Friday. And so definitely appreciate your prayers for him and for my family uh, as my mom. And she's one of four kids uh, mourn his loss. And so I definitely appreciate your prayers for that. If you'd like to turn to John chapter 10. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand is not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. There was again division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who was oppressed, but by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Would you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for this opportunity to come together as one church to worship you and to praise your great name. Lord, you are the almighty, everlasting God. May we come to you with hearts of worship and praise. Lord, we come before you with prayers of intercession. We continue to pray for Marcia and her recovery from this back surgery. Lord, we pray day by day, just getting stronger, getting better. Lord, I do pray for my family and the loss of my grandfather, Ken. 
Lord, I pray for my mom and my Aunt Sharice and my uncles Jonathan and Patrick on the loss of their father. Lord, I pray for your nearness to them as they mourn and grieve in this time. Lord, we pray for our time and your word today. We pray that we can be pointed to you through the preaching of your word, that we can be pointed to truth, to Christ, and to the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. In July of 2005, two shepherds in Turkey took a break from shepherding to have some breakfast. There were hundreds of sheep in their flock owned by more than two dozen families. As the sheep grazed, one of them wandered to a small cliff and a 30-foot drop. Another followed, and another, and another. 400 sheep lost their lives that day on the foot of that cliff. Another 1,100 went over the cliff Another falls broken by the wool cushion that had been formed at the bottom. The moral of the story, don't be a sheep without a shepherd, or you will fall off a cliff and die. In our passage this morning, Jesus says that he is the good shepherd. There's some naturally comforting pastoral imagery in that. A shepherd tends to his sheep. It's imagery that we can understand. The Bible has several illustrations about sheep, shepherds, the innocence of sheep, the meekness of sheep, the fact that sheep are easily led. Sheep are the most commonly referenced animal in the Bible. Sheep are mentioned over 200 times. And if you also count lambs, baby sheep, and rams, male sheep, that's another 365 mentions. To put that in perspective, cats... I mentioned zero times in the Bible. (laughs) And preparing for this week's message, I actually thought a lot about sheep, especially in trying to capture the essence of the metaphor that Jesus is using. I read about sheep. I watched YouTube videos about sheep. I even tried to think like a sheep. (laughs) I think a little bit of background is important. Again, we see shepherds throughout the Bible. Abraham was a shepherd, so was Moses, so was David before he became king. God himself is referred to as a shepherd, most notably in one of the most beloved passages of the Old Testament, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. In our passage this morning in John 10, part of the backdrop of that passage is Ezekiel 34. In that chapter, it calls the leaders of Israel the shepherds. The people are the sheep. But the leaders, the shepherds, have been corrupt. And they've taken advantage of the sheep. Ezekiel 34, verses 2 and 3. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel... Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, Ah, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. Again, talking about their abuse 
of the people within their flock. The shepherds have plundered the flock. The text continues in discussing the failures of the leaders. But in that, God makes a promise that it will be him who tends to the people. Verse 10. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths, that they may not be food for them. God talks of what he will do in tending to his sheep. Verse 14. I will feed them with good pasture, and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. They shall lie down in good grazing land, and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. And while the Lord will intervene, he also gives a promise that the flock will be rescued by another servant. 22 to 24. I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be a prey. And I will judge between sheep and sheep. And I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord. I have spoken. Now, it's important to note about the book of Ezekiel that it's written after the life of David. And so what it's getting at is somebody who's in the line of David being this shepherd. And it's with that backdrop that Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. He is the promised shepherd. He is the promised leader. And this morning we're going to look at Jesus as the shepherd who sustains us and Jesus as the shepherd who saves us. One final comment before we get into our passage. I keep talking about Jesus' I am statements. This passage actually has two of them. But jumping into the text, first point, Jesus is the shepherd who sustains us. Now, in Jesus' day, most of his audience would have lived in small villages. And it was fairly common for families to own a few sheep. And oftentimes, several families would have one person who would be the shepherd of their sheep. The families would often have some sort of pen or enclosure where they kept the sheep. Each day, the shepherd would go either to the home where the sheep were, were kept. Or again, a few families might have together a pen where all the sheep are. But in the morning, the shepherd would come and take the sheep out of that place and take them to graze. Sheep need shepherds. A domesticated sheep cannot survive on its own. They're basically useless on their own. They need shepherds. Sheep follow their shepherd. They learn their shepherd's voice. There's actually, if you go on YouTube, you can find videos of this. Sheep recognize who their shepherd is. Shepherds have unique calls that their sheep recognize. In our passage, verses 2 and 3, he who, he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. 
Jesus continues the metaphor in verse 4. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. The sheep won't respond to another shepherd. But a follower of Jesus responds to the good shepherd's voice. It can be tempting to want to listen for us to another shepherd, to want to follow another leader aside from Christ. Perhaps it's wanting to go another way, to a way that we think will lead us to a better life or greater protection or greater sustenance or whatever it is that we're looking for. But we are called to listen to the good shepherd. Jesus calls out his sheep by name. The good shepherd knows his sheep personally. There might be some of us in this room who don't even know the names of every single person in here. But Jesus knows all of his sheep by name. Shepherds protect their sheep from predators. Coyotes, wolves, foxes, dogs, bears, mountain lions, bobcats. Even some large birds have been known to go after sheep. But in our passage, Jesus uses protecting language for the flock. That's really, that's how the passage begins in verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. When people in the ancient world, in ancient Israel, kept their sheep in a communal pen, oftentimes there was only one way for entering that enclosure. And at night, the shepherd would stay near the pen, or perhaps they would hire someone else to do the night shift and keep watch over the sheep. So if a person meant harm for the flock or wanted to try to steal from the flock, in all likelihood, they would have to find another way in. In this passage, it seems that the focus is on those who would want to lead God's flock astray or who don't have the best interest of the flock at heart. But Jesus is the good shepherd. And for our spiritual health and safety, we need to live following the good shepherd as closely as we can. Shepherds lead sheep to food and water. Sheep are not known for being the most resourceful animals. They're not going to hunt something down by themselves. They graze. It's the shepherd who must lead the sheep to pastures where they can eat and drink to make sure that there is water that is clean, that the sheep aren't exposed to poisonous plants. Shepherds also look out for the health of the sheep. For instance, if a sheep gets on its back, it's kind of like when a turtle gets on its back. It can be difficult, if not impossible, for the sheep to get itself right side up. The shepherd must flip the sheep over. All of this, I think, the metaphor is meant to convey for the Christian our total dependence on Jesus as our shepherd. He is our shepherd who leads, guards, protects, and sustains us. And it's a challenge because that is not our natural mode. We're sinful. We don't want to be sheep led by a shepherd. We want to be mustangs, wild and free. 
We want to do things our own way. But to get out of the pasture dooms us to other predators. We need to trust Jesus as the good shepherd who's protecting us. It is only the good shepherd who is totally keeping our best interest in mind. The shepherd and sheep metaphor is meant to show us that being a follower of Jesus is not something that we do only in some areas of our lives or in some parts of our lives, but that our relationship to Christ is meant to be the focus of every aspect of our lives. And it is our spiritual downfall if we have certain areas where we're sheep, but other areas where we're mustangs or wolves. We aren't called to be under the protection of the shepherd in some situations and to be out on our own in others. We are always called to be under the care of the good shepherd. Sheep are always sheep. Sheep do what sheep do. We need the shepherd, but we also need the rest of the flock. It's the shepherd's flock following the good shepherd. We need his church. Half-hearted commitment to the church is a major problem in American Christianity. It has been for years. But we are to be part of the good shepherd's flock, not just for our own well-being, but for the well-being of the flock as a whole. We're not in the flock just for ourselves. We don't go to church just for us, for what it does for us, for how the sermon blesses us, for how the music makes us feel. But the church is people doing life together for the purposes of God. The second thing that we see in this passage is Jesus is the shepherd who saves us. In verse 6, John tells us that people didn't quite understand what Jesus had been saying. And so Jesus elaborates and expands his ideas further. He stays with the sheep metaphor, but Jesus also compares him to the gate of the sheep pen. Verse 7, so Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The ESV uses the word door. Some translations use the word gate. Honestly, I think gate is a better word here. Regardless, it's another one of Jesus' I am statements. Jesus is the gate through which we get to God. And he is the only gate that brings us to God. It's not like there are a bunch of other gates that are just as good. No, Jesus is the gate. He's not a gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Then in verse 8, Jesus says, All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. And then in verse 10, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus, in those verses, is contrasting himself with those who abuse the flock, who fleece the sheep. Jesus didn't come to plunder. He came to give abundant life. 
Now, verse 10 is a verse that is very popular with people who are proponents of the prosperity gospel or the health and wealth gospel. The abundant life that Jesus came to give is, for one, eternal life that he promises to those who believe in him. But the abundant life is also referring to the spiritual abundance of knowing the Lord. Again, there are some churches who want to make that verse about material blessings. What in this passage is talking about that? It's the abundance of knowing the shepherd himself. We so easily cheapen God's word when we want to make it just about stuff or what we get or what we have. It's about knowing Jesus. To have a life of contentment and joy and harmony that only comes from knowing him. Are you living the abundant life? Sin keeps us from that. A heart that doesn't find joy in God and in his goodness and blessings keeps us from living that abundant life. Follow the shepherd. Let him lead you to the abundant life that he came to bring. And then we come to verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Another I am statement. Now, in the ancient world, just like today, shepherds would protect their sheep. But a shepherd doesn't lay down his life for the sheep. Reminds me of an episode, I'm a big fan of the comedy King of Queens. And there's an episode where Kevin's cousin, he's a delivery driver. And... Weather and the conditions are getting really nasty. And Kevin says, well, sometimes in this job, you have to put your life at risk. And his cousin says, I'm pretty sure we don't. <laughs> Shepherds don't die to protect their sheep, but Jesus is the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. Verse 12, he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Again, that's a pretty intense commitment. Jesus lays down his life for his sheep. Obviously referring to his crucifixion. It's a picture of the gospel. The good shepherd who dies for his sheep. Jesus gives his life for all who believe in him and trust in him. He became man so that we could be with God. There is no other way. There is no other gate. There is no other door. He is the good shepherd who came into the world. The shepherd became a sheep so we could be with him. In the Old Testament, there's this complicated sacrificial system where various animals were sacrificed for various sins, various rituals. But it couldn't be just any old animal. It had to be one that was perfect and spotless. Writing about this, the apostle Peter says, You were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as gold or silver, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. 
Again, the shepherd also became a sheep. In the Old Testament, the prophet Isaiah looked forward to Jesus as the perfect and spotless lamb. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He has oppressed, he was oppressed, and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth, like a lamb that is led to slaughter, and like a sheep that is before his shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. Back in John 10, Jesus speaks of his death and resurrection in verse 17. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from the Father. Thinking through this passage is interesting because it has a number of significant theological themes. Being a disciple of Christ, the leadership of Christ, the exclusivity of Christ, the sacrificial death of Christ. We see Jesus and his uniting the whole world around his gospel. Verse 19, Jesus says, There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, He has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, These are not words of one who was oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Referring back to chapter 9. They don't understand what Jesus is saying. We'll talk about that more next week. They're confused by his words. But again, the message that he's given is pretty straightforward. Again, all of these themes that are so relevant to us, discipleship, his leadership and exclusivity, his sacrificial death and resurrection, all of that's in this passage. Yet it's a passage that is so easy to grasp that a child can begin to understand this. It's a passage that's so quaint and familiar. And with all of the rich theological themes in this section, I think really there's a beauty in its simplicity. For some of us, understanding the theology is easier than actually living as sheep of the Good Shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd who always leads us to greener pastures. Let him lead. But it's easier said than done. Because we might want to pursue other sources of joy. But Jesus is the good shepherd who leads us to abundant life. Follow him. There might be other things that we're tempted to find our hope in. But Jesus is the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. Believe in him. We might think that we're strong enough on our own to withstand the various attacks and predators in the world that the sheep face. We're not. And we don't need to be. Instead, let us live lives following the good shepherd as closely as we can. Would you pray with me?
Our Heavenly Father, we do praise you that we do have a good shepherd who lays down his life for us. And because it was taken up again, we too have the promise of eternal life and abundant life. Lord, we thank you that he is our protector and sustainer. Lord, that all he does has been for our own good. And may we follow him in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.